You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. We see God speak to Moses and he says, look, I'm going to release you. I'm going to release you out of, from the, the yoke of oppression from the Egyptians. I'm going to release you. And the first thing that God came to do that Jesus does for us is he frees us from sin. Right? He deals with the sin problem. That's the first thing that must happen. Sin separates us from God, but sin is not a problem for God. He fully met it in Jesus Christ. The wrath of sin was placed on Jesus Christ. He was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. That means this, that there's not a past sin, a present sin, or a future sin that is greater than the blood of Jesus. Jesus dealt with the sin problem. And the reason why the sin problem has to be taken care of is because this keeps us in bondage. This doesn't just separate us from our relationship with God, but it erodes and destroys the understanding of the truth of who we are in God's eyes. It begins to affect the seed of our soul too. The second thing that God spoke to Moses and said this would happen is he said, look, I'm going to redeem you. Okay? Now there's a difference. And here's where we see this in Exodus 6. As he says to them, he goes, look, I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. This is what God is saying to Moses for the Israelites. And the second thing that Jesus came to do is because God understood something very important. That you could pull somebody out of the conditions that keep them in captivity, but yet they could still walk around with a mindset of being in captivity. And what God spoke to Moses is this, is that I'm not just going to put them and break the bondage, the natural bondage of their life, but I'm going to free their soul. They're not going to see themselves as slaves anymore. I'm going to do a supernatural work, and this is what Jesus came to do too. This is why the scripture says that he, he calls us and makes us new creations in him. This is why the scripture says when Jesus talked to, in the Gospels, he said, you must be born again. There's a significance to this. Why? Because we can get free from our sin. The sin problem can be solved. But sometimes we still live with the mindset that we're stuck under the curse of sin. But when Jesus came, what he, dis, what he wanted to do and what God did was this. is He didn't just release us from sin, but he freed our soul from the, the weight and the sting of sin. The shame, the condemnation, the, the, the uh, fear of the future of sin. But this is where we're going today. And this is the next thing that God speaks to Moses. He says, I'm going to restore relationship. God told him this. He said in Exodus 6, in verse 7, he says, I will take you as my own people. God recreated the plan, and this is the grace of relationship that we see through Jesus Christ that only comes in Jesus Christ, that we get this restored relationship, this beautiful, beautiful thing that happens, that a new identity is created inside of us. This is so important. Because until we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, then we're not going to begin to walk in the final and fourth step that God calls us to and He's provided in Jesus Christ. And that's this, reconciliation. 
And what reconciliation is walking in the plan of God. Walking in the plan of God. See, every one of you is called to do an amazing work for Jesus Christ. That's not me blowing smoke. This is the truth. You were created with purpose. I don't care how you started. I don't care what family you came from. I don't care how bad, how tragic, how awful it was. It doesn't matter in Jesus Christ. There's four things that happen that he is continually reminding you of. And the first is this, is that the sin, the thing that separates you from God is no longer a barrier. It's gone. It's been destroyed in Jesus Christ. That you don't live under that weight and that captivity anymore. That's not who you are any longer in Jesus Christ. You're a new creation. And why? Because he has sealed it up in the truth that you have become a son or daughter of God. That's who you are. And as a son or daughter of God, you are called to do the things that you have been created to do. That you have been gifted with the grace of Jesus Christ to accomplish on the earth. Now here's the amazing thing. Is that you can't do this until this is satisfied. You can't do this until this is satisfied. You can't do this until this is satisfied. And what happens is this. If we don't get these things checked off then ultimately when we step out to do the thing that we feel like we're called to do, the enemy will sneak in and lie to us and get us distracted, get us sidelined, get us confused, get us fearful, and we'll stop. But when we walk in this confidence, in this step, what happens? Then we begin to walk, not in our power, not in our strength, but we begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, being confident in who we are, knowing that we're free, completely free. All right. That's our foundation for today. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the grace of this, this beautiful relationship that Jesus Christ has brought us into. What I want to do is I want to jump into Romans 8, 14 through 17. I hope everybody's okay. Um, I really want to teach you something today, okay? And I hope uh, <laughs> my wife is in Houston with my daughter. They're trying out. My, my daughter's going finding a church in Houston, and so my wife is going to help her get connected into a church, which is something we want her to do, so I didn't get to ping this off of my wife, she normally goes, bring, land the plane, land the plane, right, (laughs) this is why it's good, it's good to be married, fellas, right, (laughs) need somebody to say, "Mm, bring it down, so if, if, so basically what I'm telling you, if this is a terrible sermon, it's Kim's fault, okay, so just, (laughs) I just want to. I want to take a little bit of blame off me. All right. I'm just messing with you guys. Okay. Romans 8, 14 through 17. This is a beautiful, I want to encourage you if you've never read, read Romans 8, to don't, don't just read it, but read it, reread it. Um, stick parts of it into your heart, into your memory. Um, highlight it. Take notes on it. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. And Romans 8, 14 through 17 says this, for those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Okay, so here, here the Apostle Paul is saying this, when you come into relationship with Jesus, your status has changed. You're not an outsider anymore. You're not an evil person who has uh, received a great gift, even though you have, even though our sin caused us, brought us wickedness, but now what's happened is there's been a transfer of position and we become children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. 
And by him we cry, Abba, Father, which means Daddy God, or Daddy Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might share in his glory. All right, so the idea of the grace of relationship that Jesus brings us into and he came to give us, there's three things that have to be satisfied in order for us to understand this. Three keys that we need to understand that we see in the scripture right here that Jesus fixed for us. The first is this, is that the power of fear is broken. Is broken through relationship, through the grace of relationship. I'm going to read one more passage to you that I'm going to, I'm going to go a little deep on you guys, okay? In 1 John 4, 16 and 18, just write this down. You don't have to look at it if you don't have time or you can't. And so we know and rely, so we know and rely, we have a handle on it. Now imagine this, that when you go to do a job and you need a specific tool, you go to your toolbox and you have that tool and you can trust it to get the job done. This is the, this is the language here that we're talking about that John is, is saying here when it comes to understanding the love of God. And so we know and rely, we have revelation and we put it to effect on the love, on the love God has for us. God is love. Wow. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So the first thing, the first thing that the relationship of Jesus does is that it, it covers us in love and breaks the power of fear. See, the love of Jesus begins to reshape our identity by restoring the confidence of being able to know and receive the love of God. Let me explain this to you like this. I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to go back in, into what I call original intent. And what we see in the Genesis account of the fall of, of man and woman, of Adam and Eve, is this. Is that the very first thing that happened when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God is that they tried to hide from God, right? Now, that's the impossible thing. That's a hide-and-go-seek game you're not going to win. And so, so God, God knew exactly where they were, right? And then he asked Adam this question. He goes, Adam, why are you hiding? And Adam goes, because I was naked. And he, and he said, well, who told you you were naked? How did you understand, like, all of, all of a sudden there was some shame associated with your nakedness? And now God is, this is rhetorical, isn't it, right? Because God ultimately understands, he's not asking to get insight. He's probing the heart of Adam, and then Adam finally looks at him and he goes, I was afraid. I was afraid. So what you see right after sin is this, that the power of sin came with the grip of fear on man. 
Why is God intent about the grace of relationship that comes through Jesus Christ? Because what we just read in 1 John was this, is that through the relationship of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of the love of God restores the original intent of God's heart back to us. What separates us from the knowledge of God's love is fear. What Jesus did is he broke the power of fear so that God's heart could be re-restored back to us, the understanding. Does that make sense? See, what happens is that God is getting us back to the original place again, and it came through Jesus Christ. See, we messed it up. We did it. This was our, this was our decision. Our sin brought us into fear. Our disobedience brought us into fear. But the love of Jesus restores that, and that's relationship. This is what the Scripture says, is that the love of Jesus brings us into confidence, this, this grace of relationship, and it's free from judgment. And I want you to see this, because this is very important, because judgment includes fear. If you've ever dealt with the fear of judgment, you're afraid. You're afraid of what people think. You're afraid of your actions. How many of you guys get nervous when a cop comes up behind you? Where's Bryce at? Don't play games, man. Bryce is a poor nature's cop. I always look for him on the road. I wave to every one of you guys. I'm like, hi, Bryce. You're all Bryce to me. Hi, Bryce. Hi, Bryce. Hi, Bryce. <laughs> My wife... My wife, <laughs> I'll tell you this story really quick. It's, she laughs. She laughs like a guttural laugh when she tells this story like four times a year to me. Years and years ago when we were a youth pastor in here, we had passed out some turkeys down at Little Abbeville one, one Thanksgiving. And I was driving down Sarah Jane Road with Kim. And she's like, you better slow down. I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm good friends with the cops. <laughs> And one cop passed us by, and I just said, hey, woo! <laughs> he pulled me over and gave me a ticket. She's like, oh, you're good friends with him, huh? Way to go, hot shot. Uh, listen, you get nervous? Here's the thing, and that's, that's funny, right? I shouldn't have said all that. But here's the thing, is that we live, we live under the fear of judgment, don't we? That's a reality. We live under the fear of judgment from our past. We live under the fear of judgment from our present. And some of us live under the uh, fear of judgment about our future. Now, if we're honest, some of you maybe came up in a church where you were like, I don't know if I'm really going to be saved until the last day. You know, like you're like, the way I grew up in the church I grew up, I always would get really nervous because I would, you know, as a little guy, I thought like my whole family got raptured and I got left behind. <laughs> And I would say a quick salvation prayer every time I could. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. Give my heart to Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Why? Why did I do that? Well, I did that because I wasn't taught the grace of relationship that breaks the power of fear. Because this is what the scripture in 1 John is saying. Is that fear involves judgment. And judgment involves our past, our present, and our future. But in this world, you are like Jesus through the grace of relationship, the love of God. And what John is saying is this, is that you don't have any reason to be afraid of your past. 
Because your past, again, has been remedied in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be afraid of your future. Why? Because you are in Jesus Christ, and you are in the love of God. And guess what? You don't have to be afraid of your future either. Why? Because Jesus has made a way. And friends, I want to tell you that the fear of death should never grip any believer. It should never grip any believer. Don't be afraid to leave this world. Why? Because when you leave this world, you're going to be with the Father. Jesus provided that. And so Jesus said, look, there's no reason to be afraid. All fear does is put you in bondage. But relationship brings you into love. And we have to start there. We have to see that. We have to have that in our life. The second thing that the grace of relationship does is brings us into the revelation that you're a son or daughter of God. This is who you are. Your status has changed through the grace of relationship. A lot of times what happens is that we think about this truth too naturally through a biological lens. We think about it through the term of our natural relationships, what it means to be growing up to have been a son or a daughter with our parents. And that's skewed, even at best skewed in comparison to the knowledge of what it means to be a son or daughter of God. And it's very important that we see it this way and that we understand that there has been an identity shift in our life. And so what God did is he had to rectify something that got corrupted at the fall. I want to show you again and just dig back into Genesis 3.20. Because we see here the restoration of original intent in, in Genesis 3.20. This is what it says is that Adam named his wife Eve. Do you know that when you read the scripture carefully, what you see is that Eve wasn't named until after sin. And this isn't about hierarchy here. Nobody misunderstand what I'm about to say. God gave Adam authority to name all the creatures that God created. But Eve's name wasn't given until after the fall. And what her name means is this. She became the mother of all the living. Let me tell you what that means. Is that the pattern got broken. The identity of mankind got broken. See, it wasn't Eve. It wasn't, it wasn't her fault. It was the decision that Adam, that mankind had to disobey God. And all of a sudden, the line got broken. And instead of being God's creation, we became mankind's creation. Do you see that? Our identity got formed under man and not under God. And because of that truth, we all were born unto this earth with the knowledge of the sin, of sin. Instead of the knowledge of the identity of being a son or daughter of God. Does that make sense? Do you see that? And so God had to restore that. Because there's no way in the world that you and I would do and understand, more or less understand the love of God, unless this relationship of being God's son or daughter was restored to us. And the identity of what it meant to be truly loved by a good father was given back to us. 
And Jesus Christ is intent on restoring that original intent inside of us. We must become a son or daughter of God. And that is great news for every person who says, my mom and my dad were worthless. They left me. They were horrible. It doesn't matter if they were horrible or they were great. It is nothing in comparison to the love of the Father, God. That's why 1 John says, God is love. Oh, man. I'm telling you, that will set you free. I promise you. I know that, listen, sometimes we just hear these words, but I pray, Holy Spirit, let them saturate into us. Because if this gets reformed, what happens is the power of the grace of relationship begins to change our life. This is a reboot. Jesus fixed this. He put us back into that place. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means this, is that we're not afraid to come into the presence of God. If you could just visually understand this, that the God of creation, the God that created the majesty of the universe as far as man could see and beyond... That he expectantly awaits you. He doesn't reject you. That when you come into his presence, he flings his arms wide open. And he doesn't look at you based upon the past. He doesn't look at you based upon the present. There's no fear in that, but there is an understanding of a renewed identity. And it changes the way we approach him. We begin to run to him. We begin to love him. We begin to receive love from him. It begins to restore identity inside of us. Every one of us need this. Every one of us need to understand this in a deeper way. The third thing is this, is that you're an heir. Yeah, sorry, I said it. Just, okay. All right, this is the final truth. And we see here in Romans, Romans 8. You guys okay? All right. And this has a, a life-transforming power because this speaks about our future. And this is really just hugely important. Because when we dip back into Genesis 3, and some of you might think I'm reaching a little too far here, but here's what you have to understand is that the decision of sin disrupted the original intent that God had created. And why this is so significant is because of this. Is most of the objection that we hear from the world is this. How could a loving God, how could a loving God, how could a loving God? And the reality is that God has not changed in his love. He has never been inconsistent. Who he was at the beginning is who he is through Jesus Christ. And he is continually restoring original intent. The only thing that interrupts it is sin. And that's our decision. But the sin equation has been fixed in Jesus Christ. Okay? So that you're an heir now. And this is significant when we dig into Genesis 3.23. We see this, that God spoke this. To Adam and Eve, and he says, So the Lord banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. All of a sudden, the nature of Adam, Adam's future, of mankind's future, switched. It moved out of the place of grace, and it moved into the place of labor. And this is what we have to understand, because here's, if, here's what happens, and where our mindset has to be renewed. 
If I asked and I pulled this, this, this congregation and I said, tell me what you think about your job. Most of you, if you had to rate it on a scale from 1 to 10, it would be sub 5. Obviously, I'm not lying because you're laughing. Right? So you tell me if Genesis 3.23 didn't change something. Why? Because your perception and my perception, not my perception, I really do love my job. Sorry, I don't mean to be the odd guy out. But listen, our perception is sometimes that this is labor, but I'm really called to do something else. There's something else that's going to give me more fulfillment, i.e., the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. But this is what Romans 8 tells us, is that we have become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And there is an aspect, if you read that scripture closely, that we endure some things, but also the glory is also shared, okay? So there's an understanding that there is a place of grace in relationship that begins to change our heart where we actually begin to see the places that we are set and established differently. And that is a transformation or a revelation that has to happen in our life. Friends, I want to be honest with you. There's going to be things about your job that are tough. There are going to be people that you are working with and around that are not great people. But that does not change the truth that that is a redemptive place that you have been called to be to show the glory of Jesus Christ. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 3, 16-21. Some of you look at me like I'm crazy. You're like, you don't know my job. You're right. I don't know your job. But what I do know is the joy of Jesus Christ to begin to renew our eyes and our, and our heart to begin to see things differently. And we're going to close out this message with this thought. But Paul writes this prayer for us today. And he says this in Romans 3, 16-21. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work Within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Can I tell you what Paul just prayed? He just recapped what I just said. He said, listen, I pray that you understand the love of Jesus. That it doesn't just hit you right here, but it overwhelms you. I pray that you know how high and how deep and how wide it is. I pray that it totally engulfs you so that the fullness of God can fill you. So that the understanding of who you are can fill you. Now to the one who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. What are you thinking about the places that God has put you? If they're down here, they don't measure up to the love of God in your heart. 
And we've got to be filled with the love of God so that when we begin to see, we see differently. This is where I want to close this morning. Justin, come on up, bud. Turn to your Bibles finally in 2 Corinthians 5. Just write this stuff down if you don't want to look at it. 14 through 21. Because ultimately there's a purpose for all of this. Ah, there's a reason why God does this and He walks us through this process of freedom and He brings us through the freedom of sin and the freedom of our soul into relationship and into our calling. Because we've been joined with Jesus Christ to do something. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. Nobody sets free like Jesus Christ. Oh. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. I'm not saying that you're apathetic. I'm not saying just Freedom Christian Fellowship. I'm saying as a whole, it's time for the church to wake up. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14-21, it says this, For Christ's love compels us. Because we were convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, then those who live should no longer live for themselves, but, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one with a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here, and all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The reason why we have gone through this process and we are going through this process no matter where you are today, if you don't know, honestly, there may be somebody here who does not know the freedom from sin. And in Jesus Christ, I'll say it one more time. Paul says it here in 1 Corinthians he made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That stain's been removed. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to live under it. You don't have to be afraid. But you can come to the knowledge of the love of Jesus. He provided the sacrifice. Put your trust in him. This morning, if your soul is bondaged, if there's weights around your soul, don't carry it anymore. You weren't saved just to get a free pass to heaven, that's not the sum total of your salvation. Matter of fact, the Greek word salvation is sozo, which means spirit, soul, and body. Be free in your soul. Let the Holy Spirit create a new identity inside of you. Don't carry those things that you used to carry anymore. 
Some of you need to understand that there's been a new identity that's been written for you, that you're not an old creation anymore, but you're a new creation. You're a son or daughter of God. Maybe there's some healing that needs to take place because the wounds of your biological upbringing have been deep, but I promise you that Jesus wants to heal those things. He wants to set you free. He wants you to understand what it really means to be loved by the Father, that you truly are a son or a daughter of God. And that you have that access and that you have that right to come into his presence. And he longs for you. He loves you. He waits for you. Why? Because we have been called to do something, to carry something through the power of the Holy Spirit into this world. And this is what Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians. That we have been reconciled so that we can carry the the message of the ministry of reconciliation. And this is what Paul writes, and he writes it emphatically. It's almost as if he stops and he screams passionately. He says, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Know his love. So what has to happen for us? And what we need to see and what we need to understand is that we come in, as we come into this Easter season is this is that this is our opportunity to ask God to open our eyes to the world around us. That if we've been set free, God, would you show me those around me that need that same understanding, that same touch. And this is what the Holy Spirit writes through Paul here, is these things have to shift in our life in order for us to carry the ministry of reconciliation, this message. See, this this actually renews something inside of us I hope that you see this because this job that you go to what if our perspective was shifted and changed and instead of seeing it as a place that we labor to just make money and it's a grind that we begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and and see the needs of the people around us that we see the people around us and they were no different than us when we were lost in the place of our ununderstanding and of our sin. And just like we needed grace to reach out to us, they need grace to be reached out to them and extended to them. So the first thing that has to change is that the perspective, and this is what Paul writes, that we no longer view this world from our old point of view, but we begin to view through the lens of grace. And that comes through Jesus Christ and only through Jesus Christ. And we have to pray to receive a fresh revelation of grace in our own life. If we understand what Jesus did for us, then we begin to see other people through that same grace. And church, if there is a harvest to be reaped, it will not be reaped through a war of words, but it will only be reaped through an extension of the grace of Jesus Christ. It won't be reaped by standing on a political platform. It won't be reaped by arguments on social media. It is only going to be reaped through the grace of Jesus Christ. And if you say why, then I say what saved you? What set you free? Was it an argument? Or was it a revelation of the love of the grace of Jesus? And this is what it means to carry the ministry of reconciliation. 
And this is what Jesus' intent of walking us through this. And our perspective has to change. We have to begin to understand and look at people from a different position. And ask the Holy Spirit, this is a challenge. But I want to challenge every one of you to do this. Because what God might do is just deposit a small word for somebody in your workplace. But Paul writes this, that in Christ Jesus, the new has come. You have become a new creation. Isn't it amazing that when God redeemed us, that he also reconciled us, that he also saw our worth, our imputed worth. That he found it worthy to come. Come on, this is Easter, guys. This is Easter. That he found it, he found it worthy, worth something. To come and to send himself in Jesus Christ to die for people who hated him. We were enemies of God, the scripture says. So what was God looking at? He wasn't looking at our hearts against him. He was looking at the reconciliation of the blood of Jesus pulling us into our redeemed status. He saw us in a different position. And if we're going to carry the ministry of reconciliation in our workplace, in the world around us, in our neighborhood, we have got to see people differently. We've got to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us eyes to see people the way that He sees people. God, just give me a glimpse of what this person's life looks like touched by you, touched by your love. Because that's worth fighting for. The third thing is this, the last thing is this. Is the power of our testimony. When it comes to the ministry of reconciliation, don't discount the fact that where you are is where God wants you. And that if you come into the knowledge of the love of God and begin to get a renewed perspective, that there is a message in you of what God has done that is going to free somebody else. And I promise you, if you ask, if you ask the Lord, say, God, let me share my story with somebody. I challenge you this week in your workplace, in your neighborhood, say, God, would you just bring somebody? I'm not going to go look for them, but you bring them to me. Somebody who needs to hear my story. and Give me the boldness when it happens to share my story of what you did for me. You don't have to get preachy. You don't have to open up the Bible. Just share the story of the time that God The love of God became real in your life. That you knew it, that you knew it, that you knew it. Any part of the story, just share it. And watch that person's face. Because this is what Paul writes here and he says, this is why we carry. Isn't it amazing that God chose to partner with us? That he chose to put us together and say, look, I need you to carry this message. This morning, what a beautiful Beautiful truth. The grace of relationship. Oh, Jesus, you're the one who sets us free, that heals our soul, that brings us into the understanding that we are your sons and daughters, that you restore all things. God, you've been consistent from the very beginning through Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that you are love. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that our hearts 
first would be overcome with this truth. God, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we would in turn take that message out. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, if there's anybody here this morning that is dealing with not fully understanding your love, the truth of what you provided through Jesus Christ. Anybody here that doesn't know you? Anybody here who's broken in their soul? Anybody here who needs to understand the full identity that you've given us? God, I pray, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would just do that work right now. If we need to confess and say, God, I've never placed my trust in you. But today, I receive what you did at the cross. Jesus, I trust you. God, today, heal my soul. Break and heal the wounds that have wounded me, that have kept me in the wrong mindset. Break addiction. Break the chains of bondage. Holy Spirit, you did that. You came to do that. God, restore in us the understanding of your love by which we can cry out, Daddy, Father. God, I pray also, Lord, for this church, for us, God, that we would see ourselves in a different light. That, Lord, that we would see that we are joined with you, God, in the very places that we, you have placed us. And there would be a renewed joy and a renewed hope that would fill our hearts, God. That we would we begin to see this, Lord, our, the places of our work and our communities in a different way, God. That you would help us to carry the ministry of reconciliation. That you would open up our eyes to grace, God. And that we would begin to see people differently. Lord, just drop a few people in our heart right now. Lord, cause us to see their faces right now. And God, we just ask you, Lord, just to begin to move on their hearts and give us opportunity to speak to them, Lord, to share our story. Lord, begin to show us what their life looks like through the lens of your love and your grace. And God, remind us that we too were far from you, but yet you loved us and you rescued us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? Thank you all. Just remember that if you didn't like this message, it was Kim's fault, okay? Uh, all right, hey, listen, listen. Do me a favor, two things. I'm going to just bless you. And this morning, I'm going to close and just one last prayer, but I want to do this, and it's that for ministry, if you are walking through something in your physical body, you need healing, just as I pray, just lift your hands. If you are walking through an area where there's some brokenness in your life, and you say, look, I just need to, I just need to just push in on this, and God let you do a work, then just lift your hands as we close. If you just say, God, I just, help me to see differently this person. Just lift your hands as we close. I'm just going to agree with you in prayer. 
Father, I just thank you, Lord, again, just in the grace, and I just declare your great grace, Lord, over every person, Lord. Father, I thank you for healing over our physical bodies, Lord, that there's not one thing, Jesus, that the work of the cross that you shed blood, that the bruises and the stripes that you inflicted didn't cover, God. And we rest in a place of faith, God, and we step out in that place, and Lord, we thank you for healing. God, we thank you for that. Touch physical bodies, touch joints, touch muscles. We rebuke cancer. Lord, we, we rebuke, Father God, sickness and illness. I rebuke stupid spider bites. Hmm. God, I just thank you, Lord, also for those who are in a place and struggling in their soul, God. Whether it's anxiety or fear, God, or the past, Lord, or or something they're just struggling with, a bondage, God. Lord, I just break any kind of shame. I break any kind of fear in the name of Jesus. I thank you that your perfect love drives out fear. And God, I just speak peace over the seat of their soul. And the revelation of your love to fill that, to break any chains that need to be broken. To release peace in life and future and hope in Jesus' name. And God, thank you, Lord, that there's folks that you put us with that are difficult. But God, your grace is so big. And so give us eyes to see, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. <laughs>